Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. The State of the Union, the true State of the Union, is not great. Biden says that freedom will triumph tyranny, will always triumph over tyranny. That's ironic, considering you were authoritarian and tyrannical in 2021. And then he closed by saying the state of the union is strong because you, the American people, are strong. The state of the union, he says, is strong because of you, which is true. We are strong. We're so strong that we're going to vote out every Democrat that is running for re-election in 2022. But notice he didn't say the state of the union is strong because of what me, my administration has accomplished. He can't say that. So he turned it to the American people. And yes, we are strong, but this administration is not. So as President Biden was announced into the chamber and made his way down the center aisle up to the podium to deliver his address, the same things happened with every State of the Union. There was the glad handing, the shaking of hands and hugs. And if there were babies, he would be kissing babies, right? Every president does that. That is the political thing to do. It's a celebration. The State of the Union address is supposed to be a celebration of the things that the administration, the current administration, has accomplished in the previous year. But that was missing in this State of the Union address. I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but there was not too much said about what has actually happened in 2021 up through the end of February of 2022. Anytime President Biden mentioned an event from 2021, he glossed over it if it was bad, which to an extent is understandable. But if it was good, he stood proud and strong and made it as if those were the only things that ever happened in 2021, which we know is not the case. If you've been following this podcast for any length of time, you know that I have gotten on to President Biden and his administration about their shortcomings, mainly Afghanistan. I dedicated three episodes in August to Afghanistan and what a disaster that was. So I have my notes here. You can't see them on the screen. So when I'm looking down into my left, that's what, that's what I'm doing. I took six pages of notes. Um, typically not the biggest note taker, but It seemed important because this podcast and what I'm talking about is important to me, and I believe it is also important to you. Now, President Biden, during his address, did have a couple of good moments. I'll give him that, and I'll get into those here in a minute. But there is also a lot of things that he didn't mention that we, that you know, occurred in 2021. And then there were some audacious claims that he had, which were, I mean, blew my mind there. I audibly laughed out loud in disbelief when he made certain claims. So one of the things that we're going to go in a little bit of a timeline here, I'm not going to make it unbearable. So just bear with me. President Biden started off his speech in this order. He started with Ukraine. That is the current event that makes That makes perfect sense, right? Ukraine is in the forefront of our minds. He recognized the uh, Ukrainian ambassador to the United States. You know, she got the round of applause from everyone within the chamber. That is to be expected and well-deserved, and that should happen. 
But as he was talking about Ukraine, he made this announcement. There will be no more flights from Russia into the United States. No more Russian planes can come into the United States airspace. Wow. Big whoop. How much impact is that going to have on the Russian economy? Especially with the $600 billion or whatever that President Putin has stored away as his, quote, war chest. You won't put sanctions on the oil that Russia is sending us. But you'll put sanctions on some of the banks. You'll put sanctions on their flights to the United States. But you won't put sanctions on the oil to the United States. Now, those of you who have really done your research are going to say, well, the Russian oil that comes here is about just 3% of the U.S.'s consumption. Okay, but that's for us. We need to be focusing on what percent of that is in Russia's economy. Finally, when SWIFT was put in place by the European Union and those sanctions, NATO, Russia is finally taking a hit economically. For two days now, their Russian exchange has been shut down. The ruble, their currency, has dropped 30 to 40% in value. Biden also said regarding Ukraine that he reiterated that troops will not engage in Ukraine. Troops will only engage if a NATO ally is invaded or attacked. So I can't imagine being that Ukrainian ambassador and sitting there and getting this nice applause from everyone there, everyone thinking and praying about Ukraine, the, the Ukrainian people, which we should be doing. And then you're sitting there and you hear, yeah, but oh, we're sorry, you're still on your own. And the only thing we're going to do for you is that we are going to send oil to the EU and NATO allies to help them while these sanctions are in place on Russia that is preventing oil from getting over to the EU to alleviate or lighten that threat, that card that Russia could play to kind of put a little bit of a uh, tighter grip on the EU with their supply of oil. Kind of fell flat. A war is going on. We are watching it. We are seeing the news reporting on it. We are seeing videos on social media from people in Ukraine. But this is all we can do. We can do more for Russia. I'm not saying we need to go send troops into Ukraine. I don't think we need to do that. Not not at this point. But there is more we can do with our sanctions. And that's a fact. But Biden hasn't pulled that lever. And the reason why his administration says is because that they're kind of, they don't want to show all of their cards. They don't want to go all in, so to speak, right? Like if you were gambling, you don't want to go all in in poker. That's what they're trying to avoid. They don't want to go all in and then it not have the impact that they're expecting, the administration is expecting on Putin, and then we have no other cards left to play. Some say that's smart, some say that's not, but he talked about Ukraine and it it seemed like it fell flat, but it was first up. Then he talked about the American Rescue Plan. The American Rescue Plan was the legislation that was passed early in his presidency. I believe it was in, I believe it was in March, um, But it was another relief package related to the pandemic, related to COVID. It gave payments to families, you know, within certain um, income thresholds, like below 75,000, you got X amount. I think it was like $1,400 per per adult. You got $600 per child. And if you were above a certain level for your household income, you got a little bit less than that. Um, But that was the American rescue plan. Biden said that it helped working people, and left no one behind. Well, it may have made payments to a lot of people, millions of people, some working, some not. I was working at the time. My wife was still working. 
thankfully. But for those who are unemployed, they might have gotten a check or multiple checks, but do they really feel like they haven't been left behind? What about the the measures that were put in place, the restrictions that were put in place, the guidance that was recommended through the CDC falls under the Biden administration that made these employers feel like they had to shut down? What about the federal or the attempted mandate for private employers to require vaccination for employees to come back to work or be tested weekly at the expense of the employer? And if the employer didn't want to pay that and they pass the expense on to the individual, the individual can't pay that. What about that? Are you going to take responsibility for that, Mr. President? And he, <laughs> Biden slipped this in there. And this is one of these audacious statements. He's talking about the American Rescue Plan and how it helped America and no one was left behind. And then he goes, yeah, and then unlike my previous, the previous administration, the tax cuts only help the wealthy. Well, that is not true. That has been given three Pinocchios by the Washington Post, which I believe four is the maximum number of Pinocchios, which is a flat out lie. And there was no mention. He mentioned Trump. He mentioned Trump in the tax cuts, which did help working class families. I benefited from it. I think that first year we got like an extra, we got like a $2,000 credit. But he wouldn't even mention how Trump and the um, Congress during his first, during uh, 2020 and their relief package that they passed. Little cheap shot there, false fact, actual lie of a cheap shot. And then Biden claimed that the American Rescue Plan worked. Well, the American Rescue Plan was passed, like I said, in, in March. We are now a year from that. Companies are, have still struggled all of 2021 just to open up and to get back to um, full strength with their employees and their, their sales or whatever kind of commerce that they provide, their, their goods or services. And you're going to claim that it worked? And then have said it creates millions of jobs, millions of jobs, the fastest job growth ever for a president. Uh President Biden, all you've done is just replace the jobs that were lost at the start of the pandemic. Yes, but record wage growth, he says. Yeah, about that wage growth. Um, what about the 7.5% inflation that we're dealing with, Mr. President? Didn't mention that, did you? Ah, he did mention inflation a little bit later, but... It's kind of like a sorry, not sorry moment. You know, just going to have to get over it. Here's how maybe we can we can deal with it. And I'll talk about that in a second. Record jobs, record wage growth. All you did was replace the jobs. And the wage growth is now canceled out by your inflation. So thank you. Then you moved on to the infrastructure bill. Now, the infrastructure bill is the one of maybe two pieces of legislation that he can say were actually good and an accomplishment. For 2021, which it needs to be included in the State of the Union, is typically included in the State of the Union. You are looking back, and then you are also looking forward. It's not the future State of the, of the Union. That's what Biden focused on tonight, or last night. It is the current State of the Union with a look forward. So we talked about the infrastructure bill. That was his one win. Um, but... No work has begun yet. He talked about how there were 4,000 projects that have been approved, but no ground's been broken. That infrastructure bill was passed in, I think it was June of last year, maybe August. I'll have to look it up here in a second. Let me see. Actually, I'll just look it up right now. Infrastructure bill, ah, sorry, was in November. And it's not expected to have any type of impact for six months. So November six months, that is May. We are minimum two full months away from any type of impact showing up from that infrastructure bill. And that infrastructure bill focuses on roads, bridges, broadband, internet, railways, power grid, all things that we need. So I'll give him that. That is his lone win. That actually had some bipartisan support. 
some Republican um, senators and voted on it and Congress congressmen and women voted on it. They caught a lot of flack for doing that because the Republican Party wanted to show that infrastructure couldn't even pass within the, their own Democratic majority. But Biden got that win. Talked about within the infrastructure bill that he wants to buy American. And he phrases that as build back better. But he never used the phrase build back better within this speech tonight because the build back better plan has fallen flat on its face. Kristen Cinema of Arizona and um, Joe Manchin of West Virginia have said they're not going to support it, that it's unnecessary, that it's going to cause even more inflation. And we just need to let the economy get back to normal on its own. Just, just step back, get out of the way. But Biden keeps hitting on with his infrastructure bill and in in that build back better. He keeps saying, buy American. Well, I seem to remember whenever Trump was president that whenever he talked about buying American, that he was considered an isolationist, a nationalist. The fact that he wanted to bring jobs back to America and reduce the tax rate for corporations so that they would bring their money back to America because the tax rate here would be less than what they're getting in Ireland or the Philippines or Singapore or China or wherever else we have jobs offshore. Biden did talk about that, though, but he's talking about with the rest of the world coming up with a baseline. What's the term here? I wrote it down. What is it called? What's it called? Anyway, it is a, a global global minimum global minimum tax. There we go. Found it. So that way that corporations can't escape paying taxes. Trump tried to incentivize companies to come back to America, bring their money back here. Whereas Biden is looking at coming up with a minimum global tax as a way to get money back here. And not even necessarily always back to America, but it can stay within the country where those companies, American companies have factories or um, office locations. But Biden just wants to make sure that they're, quote, paying their fair share. So Trump wanted to bring that money all the way back. Biden wants to try to, quote, incentivize. Nice way to incentivize people. Instead of lowering the tax rate, you just want to throw a minimum tax on them to where they have to pay. Sounds a lot like the mandates that he tried to get passed with the private employers. But that's a theme of his tighten the grip a little bit to get you to comply, to get you to play along. So after the infrastructure bill, he then moved on to the Innovation Act. The Innovation Act is something that is sitting in Congress, and he talked about how that is supposed to be a 2% GDP investment for R&D, research and development. And he touted, or he talked about during that time, you know, the, the Intel plant or plants that are going to be built outside of Columbus, Ohio. Eight plants, some 1,000 acres, this plot of land that they have. And then he moved on to inflation. Now, this is where he kind of, he just, he didn't really get into it. I mean, that's understandable, right? You would never want to sit there and harp on 7.5% inflation. And I, and I know some of you are just going to think, well, 7.5% inflation, that's like the, the weighted average, and it's not all 7.5%, like it's not 7.5% for everyone. Why? Let me just fact check you right here. I have a picture here. This is from um, one of our government agencies that, that tracks inflation. And this is through the end of January 2022. This was released in, in mid-February. If you include all items... 12 months ending January 2022, 7.5%. That's where you're getting this number from. Food, 7%. Food at home, 7.4. Food away from home, 6.4. Energy, 27% inflation, energy. That includes energy commodities, 40%. 
gasoline, 40%. Energy services, or sorry, fuel oil, 46.5% inflation. Electricity, 13%. Have you noticed your electric bill being a little bit higher? Utilities such as piped gas, 10.5%. Oh, wait, actually, I misread that. Energy services, 13.6. Utility piped gas, 10.5. Electricity, 10.5. And then utility piped gas, 24%. Have you noticed your costs going up? Oh, record wage growth. Not against 24%, it's not. Not against 7.5%, it's not. New vehicles, 12%. Used cars and trucks, 40%. Apparel, 5%. You like clothes? Have you been shopping? Paying 5% more. Medical care, commodities, 1.4%. Shelter, 4.4%. Transportation, 5.5%. Medical care services, 2.7%. Add it all together, 7.5% inflation. But Biden didn't want to talk about that. All he wanted to talk about was how the economy grew too fast. And that's, that is a factor. We had the supply chain issue while Buttigieg was at home for two months caring for his adopted newborn. The economy can grow too fast, but we should have been prepared and the economy grew too fast and we were unprepared for it because of these lockdowns that were still in place by different states and the governors and then through these non-scientific recommendations from the cdc giving the governor's cover saying oh we're just following cdc guidelines we're just following cdc guidelines it's no big deal you know this is fine just just stay home we'll, we'll give you state employment unemployment benefits and then you get a little bit of federal unemployment benefits that came from uh the american rescue plan And Biden's solution for inflation is he wants to keep costs low to fight inflation. To keep costs low so that the, the manufacturers, the companies don't need to raise their prices as much because their costs are lower. And he slipped in there again. He wants to build and buy American. This gets this grandiose applause. But when Trump did it, he was considered a isolationist and a nationalist and as if he was being harmful to the other countries where we had factories but now it's okay now it's okay and then he moved on to the best moment of his speech and that's because it hits me right in the heart biden's best moment of the night was when he talked about insulin and how the cost of insulin is multiplied 10, 20, 30 times what it costs the manufacturers to make. He cited it cost $10 to make a vial of insulin. I'm assuming he's talking about a 10 milliliter vial, which is a thousand units. Why do I know this? I have type one diabetes. He recognized a child who was there in his suit with a, with a blue tie and everything, glasses, little blonde haired boy, he has type 1 diabetes. His father has type 1 diabetes. And Biden tugged on my heartstrings when he talked about the unaffordability for people, the thousands of people, because there are millions who have type 1 diabetes here in America, but talked about how there are numerous people, children and adults, who cannot afford insulin. Insulin is a life saving drug insulin needs to be affordable biden said he would like to cap insulin costs at 35 dollars a month out of pocket for every type 1 diabetic and he talked about He was talking about for children because, you know, it's juvenile onset diabetes. But he talked about being a parent. And if you, are, if you can't afford insulin, telling that to your child. 
Now, my children do not have type 1 diabetes. They're going to have to get screened eventually as they get older, but I have it. And it is a life-saving drug, and it is appalling that pharmaceutical companies and the United States allows pharmaceutical companies to charge $300 if you do not have insurance for a vial of insulin. A vial of insulin that may only last you two weeks. So you could be paying $600 a month for insulin. And if you don't have Medicare or Medicaid, you are left to rationing your insulin. And for those of you who don't know, when you consume carbohydrates, that is you take insulin based on the number of carbohydrates that you consume. And that's that's for everyone. And that is individual. Each person has a different uh, set ratio that they use. Like mine, for every 20 carbs I use, I take one unit of insulin. Someone might need to take five units of insulin for every 20 carbs they they consume. So it's individualistic. It's it's not the same for everyone. That was Biden's best moment to me because it touched me personally. Insulin is a life-saving drug. You cannot, type 1 diabetes, you cannot tell do anything to keep your body from getting it. Your body attacks itself, kills the cells that produce insulin, and then you are without insulin. Your body cannot properly break down sugars. It is not the same as type 2 diabetes. There are more type 2 diabetics in this country, and that is a whole different topic. They get all the publicity. One, because it's in adults, and adults have the money, so the advertisements focus on them. Juvenile diabetes, you can get it anywhere from when you are a juvenile. So ages 0, 1 through 18. I got it when I was 16. So I'm all for capping the cost of insulin. It is not the same as a heart medication, or it is not the same as these other prescriptions where if you got your diet under control or had your diet under control, that you would not have an ailment a condition that is not the case for type one diabetes. And that is one of the, that is the best thing that Biden included in his state of the union address. He also talked about childcare. Now I'm a conservative Republican, so I may differ with other conservative Republicans on this. You know, it's considered a handout, but I have two kids. We pay, We, we pay a ton out of our pocket each month, out of our paychecks, to send our boys to preschool and daycare. Biden wants to cap the maximum amount that is spent on childcare for a family to be 7%. 7%. I can get behind that. Children, every generation is the next generation. So if we are investing in our future, we talk about investing in roads and infrastructure, uh, internet, broadband, so on and so forth, investing in the future. But we need to also invest in the people who are going to be here in the future, which are the kids, especially after what they went through during this pandemic. So I am all for capping insulin costs for the for those that need it, for the type 1 diabetics. And I am all for providing relief, if needed, to the families that need money from the government to be able to afford childcare. We don't need children left behind. We don't need children to miss out on their educational opportunities, on the social opportunities that they can have by going to a daycare or a preschool. A lot of those are private. 
That's why they cost money. You can't just send them to your local public school and not cost you any money. It's private. And that's why the cost is so much. So if we're going to talk about investing in our future, our country's future, I'm all for investing in the children who are the future. And God forbid we owe them that much after this pandemic. He then went into tax reform. He didn't talk about it too much. That's where he mentioned the global minimum tax. Talked about paycheck fairness, the $15 minimum wage. We've seen that kind of come around and start biting companies in the butt or people in the butt. All these corporations, Target, Walmart, Amazon, you name it. Anyone within like the top 50, top 100 of the fortune list. $15 minimum wage. But then you also see how they are also those same companies are also innovating to where they don't need as many employees so they can afford the $15 minimum wage. Talked about the child tax credit that was part of the uh, American Rescue Plan, giving a certain amount of month to lift children out of poverty. I don't know how successful that's been because just because you are given money or a tax credit doesn't mean that or money sent in the mail to you doesn't mean that you are going to use it on your child. So it's great that the money is being provided, but who's who's tracking to see if the money is actually being spent on what it's supposed to be spent on, which is the child. And then he got into COVID-19. He got into COVID-19 and talked about the new mask guidelines. And that's why he's up there speaking no mask and Pelosi sitting behind him with no mask and Vice President Harris is sitting behind him with no mask and they're panning the chamber and no one has a mask on unless they're in the age group where they might need one or, you know, they're immuno, immunocompromised or <clears throat> what have you talked about the science changed and they're, they're at a point now to where the deaths are as low as what they were in the summer of last year, which is what Biden was ramping up to in July to say that COVID is over and we're going to celebrate on July 4th with a barbecue in your backyard with your family or your friends. He talked about how COVID no longer controls our lives. But he wants to continue to fight the virus. It's now endemic. It's going to be like the flu. It'll be interesting to see what the pharmaceutical companies come up with because it's been shown that, you know, Pfizer, Moderna, don't even talk about Johnson & Johnson. That's like, that's, that's, that's the crappiest of the three, right? But talked about for the Pfizer vaccine, that it waned over time as COVID evolved with different variants. Biden cannot claim victory over COVID. He kind of steered clear of that. He, I think he wanted to say it, but he couldn't say it. Omicron ended COVID, not President Biden, even though that's what he promised in his campaign. And a lot of, I don't know if a lot of my listeners fell for it, but millions of Americans bought into that. And he mentioned a four-point plan to fight COVID. Vaccination. He mentioned child vaccination. Well, report came out this week by CNN that, or from CNN, citing a report that shows that the Pfizer vaccine in kids between ages five and eleven only had about a ten to twelve percent effective rate of preventing a child from getting COVID. And again, all that emergency use authorization and what it's going to mean long-term effects. We've already seen in like 20 to 30-year-old men, they're the myocarditis. So children aren't at risk here. Second was prepare for new variants. That's a duh. End school and work shutdowns. Oh. Oh, in Mar March 1st of 2022, now we, now we want to end school and work shutdowns? The virus was available to everyone by April of 2021, 11 months ago. What happened to the last uh, eight months of 2021 where you could have done the same thing? Oh, your C oh, that's right. The CDC had lost all of its credibility and continued to lose credibility because it wasn't following true science. You had to dig for the true science, but if you found the true science, we knew that, like in Florida where I am, Orlando, thank you, Governor DeSantis, 
once everyone was able to get vaccinated, life went back to normal. Been that way for 10, 11 months now. So the fact that he mentions that as the as the fight plan in school and work shutdowns, yeah, there shouldn't be any more of those. Especially school. How about you go talk to the teachers union unions, the one led by Weingarten? She's trying to get to zero COVID for teachers. That is impossible. But yet she says, Oh, we care about the kids. It's all for the kids. But it's not all about the kids because we're just I'm focusing on the teachers. That's who I represent. Okay, understandable. But zero COVID? No. If you have teachers who want to only work if there's zero COVID, they need to quit. And you need to stop fronting and saying that you care about the kids when you don't care about the kids. Miss Weingarten. The this will probably be a different topic in another episode, but the damage that has been done to children over the life of this pandemic is incredible. Not in a good way, a negative way. Last week, reports came out that the American Academy of Pediatrics, which is now a joke, or at least their leader is a joke, American Academy of Pediatrics has made recommendations to the CDC to adjust their guidelines to say that children need to be speaking at later stages of life. Not not say X amount of words at 15 months, but say less words at 15 months. Not say 50 words maybe at 24 months. No, 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 no. You only need to be able to say 50 words by age two and a half or three years old. What a joke they've become. And the CDC now recommends it. Go talk to a speech pathologist. Ask them what they think about these new recommendations, these new guidelines. It's a joke. And then he talked about vaccines to other countries to help other countries out. I have no problem with that. No problem with that at all. Then he moved on to law enforcement. Didn't mention the crime rate. You know, we heard the defund the police. He talked about and yelled up there, no defund the police. The progressive left, AOC, Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Corey Bush, they're going to be like up in arms about it. But, you know, sorry, you lose, thankfully. Talked about law enforcement. Don't abandon the streets or cops. Well, might want to tell your party that last year, two years ago, a year and a half. But however, we need to hold law enforcement accountable. Okay, you know, that's a wink and a nod to the the shootings that took place, the death of George Floyd. Wants to fund the police through resources and training and repeal the liability shield of gun manufacturers. So we kind of tossed all that in there under law enforcement. But as far as gun violence, which President Biden, you did not mention, did you know that in 2021, there were 20,726 gun deaths, excluding suicides? That's more than 2020. There were also 693 mass shooting incidents in the United States, which is considered four more people. 13.4% higher than 2020. Those mass shootings have claimed 702 lives and injured 2,800 people. And then also regarding gun violence, two-thirds of major cities that have seen homicides this year have have seen more than they did in 2020. Two-thirds. And at least nine of the country's major cities have broken their previous homicide records. Then he snuck in his little voting rights deal, talking about how the voting voting bills that are being shored up within different states, a lot of them are are red states, are trying to um, keep blacks from voting, which is not the case. This goes back to the summer of 2021, whenever this claim was made about Georgia and then stupid Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred, joke that he is. Move the all-star game to Colorado, which has more strict voting rights than the state of Georgia that they were protesting about, costing millions of dollars to the local economy, a lot of which would be to uh, the black communities of urban Atlanta. 
Yeah. So about that Voting Rights Act, that's just, that's stupid. Talks about passing the Freedom to Vote in the John Lewis Act. Freedom to Vote, John Lewis, one of those two wants to federalize elections. That's not passing. That's already been brought up in the House and the Senate, and it's going nowhere. It's another progressive left deal. SCOTUS nominee, Kentaji Brown-Jackson, first black woman to the Supreme Court. She replaces Justice Breyer. Southern border. <laughs> oh my gosh. This So this was one of my laugh out loud moments. Um, when Biden got to the southern border, he said we need to fix it. And I even wrote down in my notes, ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. Fix it. Would you like some statistics on the uh, southern border? Because I have them. You know, I really encourage all of you to do research. Yes, it takes time, but it also keeps you informed. In 2021, Biden's first year as president, 1.6 million encounters along the southern border. Most ever. Ever. Not compared to 2020, not 2019, 18, 17, any of the Trump years. That's not a Biden-Trump comparison here. 1.6 million ever. More than 1 million immigrants came from countries other than Mexico. Two-thirds from countries other than Mexico. The majority of them were single adults. Now, if you watch the news, if you watch ABC, NBC, MSNBC, CBS, CNN, They'll tell you, oh, no, those claims about single adults, those are not true. They're family units. They're unaccompanied minors. Those are the ones who are coming up to our border. They need relief. They need relief. False. Single adults are the majority. And this is coming from a report from Border Protection. So don't give me this. Well, Brian's just probably citing some some right-wing news outlet, like, you know, just, just lying. No, this is from a government agency. Single adults were the majority of illegal immigrants to this country along our Southern border. Family units and accompanying minors were second and third, and all of them increased from 2020. Talked about, we need more technology to monitor the Southern border. I agree. Talked about a, like a virtual wall of sorts, you know, don't necessarily need the concrete and the steel, but need something for detection and more judges to process people's cases faster. Have you ever heard the backlog on the Southern border? (laughs) Never going to get through it. You'd have to hire probably a thousand judges and maybe you'll get through it in like 10 years time. It's ridiculous. Then he had to bring up abortion. That's a political left thing, right? He had to talk about abortion. He talked about it and called it healthcare. Um, There's, Nothing about abortion that is health care. Everyone who's going in, all the women who are going in and getting an abortion, not all of them are in a life and death situation if they are to have a child. That would maybe be the only way you could classify it as health care. It's not health care. The health care for the woman started when she decided to, her and whatever man she slept with, decided to sleep together. But we can't talk about personal responsibility when it comes to abortion. No, 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 no. We don't, we can't talk about that. There's no personal responsibility. Like sex, it's great. It's a natural thing. You're supposed to have it. Oh, but you know, if I make a, a, if a mistake happens or if, if my birth control doesn't work or my, my IUD doesn't work or the condom fails, no, 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 it's not my responsibility. I had no part in that. I didn't know that was going to happen even though it tells me on all these things that, you know, not 100% effective. No, 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 no. So what do I do? I'm just going to kill the baby. And this calls it healthcare. No. Equality Act. That is something on the, not on the desk, but in Congress to be worked on. We'll see if it gets passes. That is get passed. That's for the LGBTQ plus. And then he ended the speech with his unity agenda. 
first thing he listed, he listed four items like he did for his other list. His unity agenda. Opioids. He wanted to stop opioid addiction. Yes, that would be fantastic. Trump also sought to do that. But as you were concerned about opioids, where was that same concern whenever we were still having lockdowns and shutdowns across the country during the pandemic? After everyone was able to get vaccinated. Do you know how many people died of opioid addiction in 2021? 100,000 people. 100,000 died of opioid death. 100,000. Where was this concern in 2021? But now we're concerned. Better late than never. But where was that in 2021? Talked about mental health. Talked about caring for the children and their mental health after all they went through through the pandemic. Where were you in 2021 and your CDC when you were busy taking the lead or taking being led by the teacher associations? And I'm not chastising all teachers. My mother was a teacher. She was not part of these unions. But where were you once the vaccines were rolled out starting in April of 2021 when the science was already out in 2020 that children did not need to be out of school? Where were you? Now you talk about child health, mental health. That is this something very important to you as your unity agenda. This is your forward-thinking agenda. Well, let's look at the past, Mr. President, your administration. Your CDC was in cahoots and in taking instruction from the largest teachers unions in the country. Acting politically instead of based on the science. And now you're concerned about child health. Now you're concerned about their mental health. It's already well documented that children who were held out of school or had to do the virtual learning at home, especially those in more impoverished communities, lower income communities, will never get that education back. They are behind. And if they're going to try to catch up, that's going to take even more time. And what resources are we going to do to do that? Time is finite. So are we all going to keep the kids in the same grade level? No, you're going to try to push them and move them forward, right? Going to move them forward. So they're going to be moving forward after they've fallen behind. You see how that compounds? What's happened to especially these elementary, middle school kids? I'm not sure how much the high school kids are affected because they're they're older. I know they're very... They're highly affected when it comes to mental health, but as far as education, I'm, I'm not sure. But the younger kids, during their foundation-setting years of life, CDC couldn't change the guidelines. You couldn't talk to the governors of these various states that kept schools shut down or the in-person learning shut down. But now you care about the children. Now you care. Third piece of that unity agenda was protecting veterans. And then when he said that someone, I don't know who it was, cameras couldn't find him or her, whoever said it. But when he said, I want to protect veterans, someone yelled out, 13! And what is 13? The number of troops that were killed in Afghanistan in that botched withdrawal. Which he failed to mention. I mean, Afghanistan happened in 2021. I did three episodes on it, August he wanted that grand moment on September 11th of ending the 20-year war, but that botched withdrawal couldn't celebrate it. Another failure of the administration. Then he talked about ending cancer. Talked about how when he was the vice president with President Obama, how he wanted to, to end cancer. Cut down cancer diagnoses by 50%. I think the goal is by 2030. That would be fantastic. Like I'm rooting for that one. 
But some of the other things here, shifting gears a little bit, that he failed to mention. Biden was sworn into office January 20th, 2021. First week, two weeks of in office, he signed 30 executive orders. 10 of them re reversed Trump policies. Some key ones of note that have now had longer effects. He ended the Keystone XL pipeline. That's impacting us when it comes to our role in this Ukraine-Russia invasion. He ended the Remain in Mexico policy that goes back to the southern border and the record 1.6 million illegal immigrant encounters that we had in 2021. He ended the border wall construction funding. Southern border. He signed an executive order that required non-citizens to be included in the census and that apportionment and, and an apportionment for congressional representatives. So now we're giving representation to illegal immigrants. That seems calculated. And stopped expansion of immigration enforcement. So he signed an executive order when he came into office to stop the expansion of immigration enforcement. Yet he claims here in his State of the Union address that he wants to fix the southern border. He ended the border wall construction and the Remain in Mexico policy, but now he wants to fix the southern border? Sorry, Mr. President, I don't take you seriously. Um, let's see. He claimed on February 16th, 2021, that his goal was to have in-person learning by the end of April 2021. Well, we're uh, two months away from that, and we are about there. February 21st, COVID death surpasses 500,000 total going back to 2020, not on his watch. Passed the COVID relief bill end of February, early March. Signed that $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, the American Rescue Plan. Provided stimulus checks, increased child tax credit, $14 billion for vaccination administ administration. Um, loan assistance to farmers, 15% boost in food stamps. All on down the line. In April of 2021, 18,000 accompanied migrant children crossed the border. Previous month high ever in a month was in May of 2019, and that was 11,500. So that is a 50 plus percent increase. And then the infrastructure bill, like I said, that passed in November. That's his key legislation that that he can that he can uh put up there on the refrigerator so to speak that he can lay claim and and celebrate for for the rest of his life and his presidency can't claim that he beat the pandemic because the pandemic beat itself with omicron everybody got it natural immunity he did himself in his he and his administration throughout the pandemic with mixed messaging coming from the white house and the cdc from the cdc not following the science the White House not following the science. They were slow to adjust to the data, child transmission rates, in-person learning, mask effectiveness, natural immunity. All of those, we went a year and a half through the pandemic before those any studies regarding that were even begun. Dr. Fauci's on record in either January of this year or the Q4 of the fourth quarter of last year being asked about natural immunity studies. And he's like, yeah, we're, we're about to start those. Uh, sir, it's been a year and a half and you don't have any studies being completed or do you, or do you, and you're just not telling us something to look at, um, when the Republicans take the house back in 2023, missed vaccination goals on July 4th. I mentioned that unprepared for the Delta variant, then unprepared with testing for the Omicron variant. Unprepared with Ukraine, Russia, a lot of unpreparedness for this administration. And then, of course, the unconstitutional authoritarian measure to increase vaccination for private businesses. You know, just, just tightening a little bit, a little bit to force you, encourage, sorry, encourage, administration says encourage, incentivize you to get vaccinated. Economy. Inflation, 7.5%. Gun violence, illegal immigration, southern border, Afghanistan withdrawal. All of these things. Some mentioned, 
but when they were, they were just glossed over. Don't want to look in the rearview mirror. This wasn't a current State of the Union address. The State of the Union, State of the Union address was all about looking to the future, which should be a part of it, but you should also be looking in the mirror and recapping your accomplishments. But the Biden administration couldn't do that because he only has one or two accomplishments. He came into the State of Union address with a 36 to 38 approval rating. 70% or lower from registered Democrats. 10% among independents. He didn't really seem like he was shifting gears too much for the next three years of this presidency. We'll see if they evolve. We'll see what the polling tells them to do. But I do anticipate a huge red wave in the midterm. So please get out there and vote. Like, don't just sit idly by. Don't think, oh, well, there's going to be millions of people voting. My vote doesn't matter. No, you don't pull that crap. You need to vote. Get out there and vote. Vote for the Republican Party. Do not vote for the Democrat Party. We've seen what happens when they're in power. So I hope for 2022 and when he does his 2023 State of the Union address, I hope that in 2022, there will be accomplishments for the betterment of this country. Like I said, infrastructure bill, we need infrastructure. There's pork in there that is in every bill, which isn't the best, but we do need our infrastructure improved. Talks about cyber attacks potentially from Russia to knock out power grids. Well, we need to shore up our power grids to where that can't happen. We also do need to bring manufacturing of goods back to our country that are a national security threat like we saw during the pandemic and so much being built or being constructed, being manufactured over in China. We were at odds with China. PPE came from China. Masks, gowns, medication came from China. We need to bring that stuff home or at least to an allied country so we're not at the mercy of an adversary. The State of the Union, the true State of the Union, is not great. Biden says that freedom will triumph tyranny, will always triumph over tyranny. That's ironic, considering you were authoritarian and tyrannical in 2021. And then he closed by saying the State of the Union is strong because you, the American people, are strong. The State of the Union, he says, is strong because of you, which is true. We are strong. We're so strong that we're going to vote out every Democrat that is running for re-election in 2022. But notice, he didn't say the State of the Union is strong because of what me, my administration has accomplished. He can't say that. So he turned it to the American people. And yes, we are strong, but this administration is not. I hope 22 is better for our country. I hope inflation comes down. Wage growth is great, but it's not 7.5% like the inflation. It's pandemic. Let's move on. Let's get rid of masks. Like, I mean, come on now. It is time. No one should be wearing a mask. Not Sorry. I don't want to say no one. There should not be any mask requirements by businesses or government agencies or anything like that. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. But there shouldn't be any requirements for you to wear a mask. That's just absurd. We're past that. We have this statistics, the data that says that is not helping. So I hope in 2023 for, the next, for that State of the Union address that the State of the Union truly is better than it is today. And you and me, we can greatly impact that for the rest of the Biden administration, the next three years, and definitely the next two years, by putting more Republicans and voting out Democrats in the 2022 midterms. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app 
or on YouTube. And engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at counterthought CEO or on Facebook at counterthought podcast.